Hello, everyone, and welcome to the special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Kato Aerts, counsel at Lydian in Belgium. On the program, we span the globe and have received updates on critical issues from ELA members in each region. Today, we are connecting with our member from Malta. Joining us on the program is Jackie Malia, Senior Associate with Chivis at H Advocates. As our world continues to become more and more digitized, issues and concerns over privacy and protection continue to become elevated as well. Protecting individuals and their personal data has become a priority for many countries. Jackie will be updating us today on the current effects and results of the EU's General Data Protection Regulation, as well as her insights on the progress and challenges that lie ahead. Jackie, welcome to the program. How are you today? Hi, Kato. I'm fine. Thank you for the invite. It's great to have you here. I was wondering, when does the GDPR apply to multinational companies from an employment angle? So the thing with the GDPR, which is basically the new data protection law, relatively new because, you know, this has been applied since 2018, as opposed to the previous data protection law, actually applies in an extraterritorial manner. So that means that it doesn't only apply to entities that are established within the EU, but it also applies to entities that are not established in the EU to the extent that they are processing data of people that are within the EU. So not necessarily citizens of the EU, but as long as they happen to be in the EU, then the GDPR applies. That means that essentially if a multinational company does have employees within the EU, so working within the EU, even though the entity is not actually established within the EU, the GDPR will apply to those employees that are actually working from a new country. Okay, that's very interesting. So it's very broad, basically. Extremely broad, yes. <laughs> For non-EU entities, obviously, this has been quite a difficult adaptation process, you know. But now it's been a few years into, into all of this. And I think we've all heard about this infamous GDPR. I think we've all kind of come to terms with it. And as we go along, we're getting more and more used to this. Yes, you're right. I think it's something many of us had to get used to. But by now, at least many people or if not all people know what the GDPR relates to. It's, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those catchphrases now, you know, it's the GDPR. So, and we, we do have, in fact, we, we've had a lot of clients even from outside of the EU, obviously, needing to come to us for advice about this because it's all new to them, obviously, especially, for example, entities in the US and China that have had to deal and have had to sort of reconsider even their employment policies and the way that they deal with their employees and their employment data. Yeah, and that's why it's so nice to be able to record this podcast with you and and have an expert view on it. So thanks again for that. What is the type of employee data or HR data that fall within the scope of the GDPR? So essentially the GDPR, if you read it, it says it applies to processing of personal data. And when you actually look at the definitions of this, it's very, very, very wide. So processing is anything that you do with data. It's unlikely you would fall outside of the definition of processing. Anything you do, if it's collecting, if it's storing, if it's changing the destination of the data, anything you literally do with the data is actually processing. Now, personal data is data where you can identify a person from such data. So even if that person is not immediately identifiable, If there are two different data sets that can come together and identify a person, an individual, then that would be qualified as personal data. So essentially, when it comes to the employment point of view, 
anything that relates to the employee would be personal data and would fall within the ambit of the GDPR, provided that, as we said, that that employee is within the EU. So anything, you know, relating to their name, their email address, even their IP address, of course, that is also considered personal data. Anything to do with their health, anything to do with their gender, anything to do with their performance reviews, their salaries, all of that can be considered personal data. So essentially anything that relates to the employee that is in the EU is personal data. So again, very broad. Very broad, very broad. It's quite a broad law. It kind of catches pretty much everything. And how should employees' health-related data be treated? Yes, well, this is a bit of a sensitive subject, quite an interesting topic, actually, especially in view of COVID and the latest, you know, sort of scenarios that we've had. So health data, there are two different categories of data as we sort of, when we discuss the GDPR. So there's personal data and then there are special categories of personal data. Personal data needs to be treated very carefully. Okay, there are certain principles that apply. You, you cannot just do whatever you want with this data. But special categories of personal data are even more protected. And therefore, what that means is that, you know, when you are processing that kind of data, then you have to put in even more safeguards and it's even more complicated, more difficult to process. Now, health data would be one of those. It's one of the categories of data that we would call a special category of data. And therefore, it needs to be processed in a very particular manner. Just to give you a few practical examples, you know, we have, for example, clients that would have issues where, obviously, you know, a person is sick and sometimes the, the company would want to check, for example, whether that person is actually unwell or not, you know, if they're abusing of the system, so on and so forth. And what we advise in a situation like this, and, uh, you know, this is, this is also in discussion with our data protection commissioner, is that, for example, this, this kind of information should go through the company doctor or through a doctor that the employee cho- chooses to go to. Under our law, under our employment law, you are allowed to actually, as a company, as an employer, you are allowed to request the company doctor to go and visit the, the sick employee. But then the way that we normally do it is that it is the company doctor or the doctor that the employee has visited who will say this person is fit for work or not fit for work. But the employer doesn't actually have the right to know what the ailments are, you know. So all the employer actually knows is whether this person is fit for work or not, according to the doctor's report. Now, obviously, there are very specific situations where the the doctor might feel that they need to bring certain issues to the attention of the company or of the employer, such as, for example, if they're seeing that health-related issues are because of the work environment, for example, you know. So, yes, in that case, then, then the doctor might take certain steps, you know, to be able to let the employer know, look, that this is an issue that can be solved. But uh, it's, it's a very rare situation. In most cases, that is all the employer is allowed to know, whether this uh, employee is actually fit for work or not. Like, for example, a, a work certificate, um, a sickness certificate would not contain details of the employee's ailments or what they're suffering from. Now, obviously, when it came to COVID, um, this became quite a bit of an issue because, um, you know, we, we, we were asked very often, is it possible to ask whether whether an employee has been vaccinated? Is it possible to ask if, a, if an employee, you know, suffering from COVID because of contact tracing and all of those issues? It was important to know that, that in certain situations, you know, this person was suffering from COVID because then everybody else around them needed to be tested. 
And so obviously there are these situations where we're going to have a specific law or a specific situation that is going to override the generic kind of GDPR rules. Because GDPR is a generic law, but then obviously there could be laws or could be situations that would override the requirements of the GDPR, provided always that you can justify as an employer what you are doing and why you are doing it. But obviously in the case of a pandemic, then that became necessary. But of course, you know, we've had to draft policies around this. We've had to put in safeguards as to how the employer can actually ask for this, this information, in which cases, you know, whether, whether they can actually be tested, you know, on the job. So all of these issues became quite relevant in the, in the, in the whole context of this pandemic. Okay, so it sounds like health-related data are protected in a particular way, which totally makes sense. I guess that some employers might think, okay, but if I have the employee's permission to share or process health-related data, then it's all fine. But I've heard recently that consent is not necessarily valid in an employment context in many countries. Is that the same in Malta? And, And can you explain why that is the case? Yes, definitely. It's not just in Malta. It is, uh, again, it's a GDPR sort of based concept. We used to, before, you know, before GDPR, people used to deal with data protection by getting consent for everything. And the general way we would do things is, you know, we'd say, okay, if you, if you get, you know, the consent of the person, then everything's fine. And we, we can kind of override the issues. Unfortunately, or fortunately, it depends obviously on the perspective, but consent under the GDPR has become a little bit more complicated to obtain, so valid consent. What it means is it, it has to be freely given to draw certain elements which make it proper consent, valid consent. It has to be freely given, it has to be specific, informed and unambiguous. And it has to indicate that these are the data subject's wishes, okay, in, an, in a freely given, specific, informed and unambiguous way. Now, when it comes to employee data, and the employment context, the question is, is consent ever freely given? So, in, you know, to what extent can an employee actually say no to their employer? So it's been discussed, it's been studied, there are guidelines about this, that, that consent in an employment context is not really valid consent because the employee sort of feels like they are required to go along with the employer's requirements, you know, with the, with the employer's requests. And therefore, it is not completely freely given. And therefore, what we try to do, or what we try to advise, is that an employer should always, as much as possible, rely on some other form of legal basis, you know, in order to, to, to be able to process that data, such as, for example, you know, data that needs to be processed on the basis of their employment contract, you know, to be able to pay the, the employee salary, or, for example, you know, for legitimate interest, because the employer needs to basically, for example, secure the office or make sure that the IT systems are secure. So there are certain reasons where you can, as an employer, process data, but not on a consent basis. And as much as possible, we only use consent in very rare situations. Now, the other thing with consent is that it needs to be able to be withdrawn at any time. So when I am giving you consent to process my data, it is on condition in the law that you can withdraw that consent at any point in time. And therefore, of course, whenever you are relying on consent as a basis for processing, that means that you are always running the risk that the employee will withdraw their consent at a later stage, and then you are left with no legal basis for that processing. And therefore, again, you know, we always advise 
whatever you're doing, any type of processing that you are carrying out, try to find another legal basis, you know, rather than relying on the consent. Because like I said, it is not necessarily freely given. It's easy for the employee to argue that it was not freely given consent. And secondly, it can be withdrawn at any time. That's uh, exactly the same as it would be in Belgium. So yes, in summary, find another legal ground because in an employment context, consent is tricky and and might not be valid. Another point I was wondering about is monitoring the activities of the employees. Would that be allowed? Can employers monitor their employees' activities? Yeah, so this is another another sticking point, unfortunately. Again, you know, we, we, we used to do this before GDPR. We would normally hear in Malta, we would put this down in the employment contract. You know, we would say that's part of your employment. You're agreeing to the fact that we are monitoring the IT systems, you know, monitoring the offices. We, we basically, you know, see what's going on on your computer, et cetera, et cetera, because you've signed, obviously, the employment contract or the, or the employment policy, then you're, you're, you're good to go. Not so much anymore, because basically, as we are saying, consent is not really the best way to go in, in an employment context. And therefore, in the case of monitoring, we advise to try and find a legitimate interest. So if you do have a legitimate interest as an employer to monitor your employees, to monitor, for example, what they are, you know, what, what they are doing on their computers, what they are doing, you know, um, in their offices, in certain specific areas of the office. And, and it can be justified on the basis of a legitimate interest, because when you are justifying on the basis of legitimate interest, you always have to sort of carry out this balancing of rights. So what is the employer's right? What is the employee's right? And if you can really show as an employer that you have reason to monitor these activities of the employee, then yes, as long as it is justified, as long as it is documented, as long as your reasoning is documented, and as long as it is kept to a minimum, then you would be able to monitor your employees to a certain extent. So for example, you know, having a CCTV camera over a cash register, that could be justifiable perhaps if you if you give it a, a, the right context. For example, if you've had issues of stealing before, you know, you, you, you could justify that. In places where you need high security, you could, you could justify CCTV cameras. And then, you know, when it comes to, for example, IT systems, you know, if you, if you need to carry out a certain amount of surveillance for security reasons, if you need to ensure that you are not losing trade secrets, you know, you're ensuring that um, the employee, you know, is not leaking any, any, any data that belongs to the company, then you can put in certain measures, yes. But for example, just just trying to ensure that employees are working constantly and being 100% efficient, that might probably not fit within um, what we would call a justifiable legitimate interest. So bottom line is, I think the employer would need to really carry out a balancing exercise and decide whether this is actually really necessary or not. And if they can really justify it, then, then yes. And the other thing is that uh, usually if, if there is a large amount of surveillance going on within the company, then generally one would need to carry out what we call a data protection impact assessment, which is basically an assessment that the employer would need to do to actually document this balancing sort of exercise, you know, this reasoning, why this is being carried out, what safeguards are being put in place to make sure that the employee is not badly impacted. And then obviously the last point is if you are going to monitor, then it is really important and absolutely fundamental for the employee to know exactly what is being monitored. So COVID monitoring is absolutely not acceptable unless 
you know, there is some serious suspicion of, of crime or some serious suspicion of um, leaking of trade secrets or something of that sort. But if you are going through any type of surveillance, then the employee should know exactly. So in other words, what, what is being monitored? What is my employer seeing? Can they see, you know, if I've gone on to Facebook, can they see if I've checked uh, certain websites, for example, about, I don't know, health-related matters? You know, are, are they actually monitoring everything or, or is it just a sort of a more generic monitoring? You know, are they just seeing the content of the emails? Because like that, at least the employee can decide, you know. So, for example, if the employer is monitoring email content, then they know that they shouldn't send personal uh, emails through their work computer. But obviously, if the employee does not know, and then definitely that is a breach of their fundamental rights. So information, you know, being transparent as an employer, completely transparent with the employee is, is definitely fundamental. Very interesting. So what I recall, and, and if I rephrase it correctly, monitoring of employees is possible, but it needs to be proportionate and it, you need to be transparent about it. Absolutely. Proportionate, okay. necessary and, and transparent, I would say. Okay. Just maybe as a last question, is there something else, some other issues that employers need to keep in mind? There are so many implications, but a few things that, for example, we have encountered. Things like, for instance, you know, when you need to transfer data abroad so outside of the EU, you know, there are companies which obviously we're talking originally about multinational companies, for example, that need to transfer data abroad or, or, or for example, sometimes your IT administrators are abroad outside of the EU. You know, when you are when you're exporting data outside of the EU, then there are additional safeguards that need to go into place. And particularly recently, as of June, this has become a little bit more complicated because, you know, when you are actually exporting the data, there are certain measures that you need to carry out. And it is not simply putting an agreement in place between the two companies, you know, the exporter and the importer, but there's quite a, a bit of onus on the exporter. So, for example, the employer in this case. To make sure that the, the recipient country has certain laws in place, has certain safeguards in place, even of a technological nature, one needs to even check whether, for example, the, the, the government in the recipient country is actually able to, for example, access that data in certain situations. So it has become a little bit more complicated. You know, I mean, um, again, this is something we could talk for hours about, but I think it is important for employees to keep in mind at least as as a general rule, that if you are exporting data in any way outside of the EU, then you need to get some advice about how to do that properly. Also, just to note that, for example, actually accessing data, so even if you're not actually transferring the data, but if you are allowing somebody outside of the EU to access data that is on your systems, that is also an export of data. So essentially, that is one important thing to keep in mind. Another thing that is also interesting, and I might probably conclude on this note, is that, you know, for example, we've had issues with, with videos of employees. We've been asked this quite, quite a few times, actually, in clients who want to promote themselves, you know, as a place of a good place of work, you know, so they take, you know, their employees abroad and they kind of video them having fun and this and that and the other. And then you know, you come back and suddenly one of the employees says, oh, yeah, I'm not really happy to be on this video. And so what do you do? Because as we said before, consent can be withdrawn at any time. And consent is not necessarily the best way to to process in an employment context. So in such situations, what we would advise, for example, would be to put 
a contract in place, you know, literally as if you're engaging the employee as a model, sort of take part in this video, and the employee would be paid, for example, a nominal amount, and then you're processing on the basis of a contract rather than on the basis of consent. So, you know, these are just a, just a few things that sort of one can keep in mind as an employer, which might not be the, the everyday, you know, things that you need to think of. But, you know, unfortunately, GDPR has many implications. And I think it is important for an employer to start having a mindset of, you know, anything that you're touching that relates to data of employees could have repercussions. And, you know, you need to think about how you're going to process this. Well, I think these are some very useful insights for our listeners. And I like how you pull some um, specific examples into it, which makes it really specific and something that our listeners can, can work with. Thank you, Jackie. This has been a very interesting discussion. We in Europe will continue to update our listeners on any new developments. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Kato. If you would like to connect with Jackie, please click on her bio in the description of this podcast. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers around the world by selecting Find a Lawyer on the ELA website at ela.law. Also, search the ELA website at ela.law where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Kato Arts. Thanks for listening.